stretch another week like I'm feeling off. Because last week we didn't <clears throat> we didn't actually continue so much with the bracha. We yeah. we did a drop at the end, you know, but it's difficult to to go on at that point. So today I'm gonna pick up more or less where we left off. Um which is the bracha of Baruch HaTohashem Elokeinu Melcholam Ozer Yisrael Bigura, which is um, really an interesting phrase. Sorry? Um, you can use mine. Uh, you have another one there? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So Ozer Yisrael Bigura is really an interesting phrase because you see the... <coughs> excuse me. You see the word Gvura, right, which is strength, and Ozer Yisrael Begvura, like who girds or who belts Israel with strength. Um, it's just a really interesting term. So we start, like, we get it. It means he's giving us strength that we understand. And when we get two more brachas down the line, we'll talk about what would be the difference between Ozer Yisrael Begvura and Hanosein Le'yaiv Koach, who gives power or strength to the weary. So we'll talk about that contrast. But even on its own, um, just like an interesting way of saying you give somebody strength. So, you know, just say like, Hanosein Israel Gvura, which would be maybe like Hanosein Koch. So one reason, of course, is because the terminology, the, the coinage of the, of the bracha is always based on something that exists from before. So here you have a phrase in Tehillim, Ne'ezar Bigvura, girded with strength. So that's Ozer Bigvura. And we also had, well, there's another Pasuk in Eov. And then there was the verse in Yirmiyahu, which we did talk about because it was very connected to the Inyane Dioma, which we were not hoping would be the Inyane Dioma. Kikasha Yidba Ka'ezor Almasne Ish. That just as a man, as a belt is tight against the waist of a man. So have I stuck close to me the whole house of Israel, the whole house of Judah, says Hashem. To be for me a nation and a reputation and a praise and a glory. But they have not listened. So this idea that the the strength. So first of all, just the terminology of giving this gvura <coughs> is tied in Tanakh to Ozer, to this Azor, a belt. So that explains to us why the why the bracha is phrased that way, because it's using the the words of. In this case, I was going to say Yirmiyahu. It's not the words of Yirmiyahu. It's the words of God through Yirmiyahu, through the words of Eov and through the words of David and Melech, to evoke something that, that is much deeper than what we even know the words mean. So whatever levels of meaning they had in mind when they were speaking are still going to be echoed when we use the same words, even if we ourselves don't know the inner meaning of it all. And we, we spoke about the idea that this ozer, that belting, is, um, represents strength of bracing oneself. Good morning. The strength of bracing yourself. So, you know, the, the guys who work in the supermarkets, the UPS guys, right, they all have to wear, like, these belts to support them, to support them because it actually adds to their strength. You can do more by restraining the strength at your waist. So you hold it in, and in this way you can actually channel more strength elsewhere instead of having to put it all there. It's, it's supporting, 
your core, right? Your, yeah, so your, I was going to say, like in Pilates, you have to work the core muscles first. Because right, they really hold you up all over. So a what a belt does, it's funny because I never thought of it over all the years, like when you're growing up and maybe you learn Navi and they're always belting on swords, you don't, you kind of think of it, I guess, as whatever belt is in style nowadays, but, but really the belt is strengthening the core, it's adding to your core strength, and also at the same time, so, so it braces you to be able to gather your strength, it allows you to well, gather your strength yeah. and push it off. Ozir Yisrael Bigvura. So we, we touched on it a little bit last week, but not very much. This is the first official class on the topic. Okay, and then we have this idea from Yirmiyahu that there's an intensity to that because the belt, the relationship of the belt to the person is very close and intimate. It's really, really close. So there was this added thing, this added piece, which is that the belt acts directly on the person by, by tightening him, by allowing him to gather his strength. But the belt is also, is also where the tools hang and where the weapons hang. So it connects the tool tightly to the person. There's, this, there's a connecting of the tool and the utility and what I'm going to use to do the job to me that happens at the same time as I am gathering my strength to do the job, which is kind of an interesting two-sided facet to the belt. It's almost like there's like the inside of the belt that's touching you and there's this outside of the belt that's holding your tools if you want to think about it that way, right? This two-sided power of the belt, even though the belt itself does not appear to be powerful on its own. Okay, so that I think is pretty much what we said more in the context of realizing, <clears throat> excuse me, realizing that that this idea of gvura, which is associated with midas adin, like you have Abraham, Chesed, Yitzchak, gvura, and Yaakov and Tiferes or Emes, so Yitzchak and gvura is also associated with Rachamim and Din, right? So Rachamim, Din, and Emes. So it is associated with Din, and to recognize that that is God holding us quite very tightly to Himself, it may feel uncomfortably tight, but it's a good place to be overall. All right. So now I want to start exploring the words. So let's look at this word gavura and what is, it, what is it telling us? When I see the word gavura, what do I think of? So I already mentioned, one thing is we think of din. So where we have rachamim, din, and ms, so din is the gavura, because we have chesed, gavura, tiferes. So you have din. It's associated with yitzchak, which I don't think we're going to get to today. Okay. I hope next week. Um, which isn't mind-blowing stuff, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, plug for next week. Like, very cool things. Okay. Now, there's this actually, I know, because Rabbi Goldberg brought it in one of his, actually twice, he's brought it in Shiram once very recently, which is a definition that Tosfos gives in the Gemara in Tainus, Daf Beis Amad Aleph, on Gvura. And over there, he's addressing, why do we call it Gvuros Gishamim? So the, the rainy season is like the power, the, the gvura, the might of the rain. And he defined, the Tosafos define over there gvura as the combination of koach and gadlus. Of koach and gadlus. So we're not going to fully define koach here because that's more suitable for Hanos and of koach. But koach is strength. Gadlus is greatness. So it's not just greatness, it's greatness with strength 
that is the definition of givura. It's the combination of godless and... And koach. Now, I don't actually know the full definition of godless. I know that gadol is actually usually associated with chesed. So I don't know. I have an idea, but I don't know. Okay, how that plays out here. Um, but godless is also associated with maybe the, what you'd call like the unique or the defining greatness of something. So with a person, the defining greatness of the person is his seichel. So that's why when we have Vayigdal Moshe, that's he, that Moshe became greater. He grew up, right? Is that he became a bardas. <laughs> he became a person who was using his mind. And that's greater than just, you know, doing whatever happens to move you at the moment. Because with a person, that's the seichel. So it's that the real power of something. And then I would say the way we will think about koach over here is it's amplified. If we call it, it's the strengthening of it, it's amplifying it. So it's not just that you have this godless, but the godless is, has strength to it. It's fused or injected or amplified through koach. Rav Hirsch calls gvura on his parish on Tehillim Samachay creative power. What's creative power again? Gevura, which is the word we're looking at, right? Ozer Yisrael Begevura. Now, again, like, it's very, very possible with Rav Hirsch as he is, it's very possible that what he's doing is, is explaining the fusion of Koach and Godless, because if Godless is really the Chesed and the creative power, how do you, right? Like, really, those two fused together should be Tiferes. I'm not sure. He calls Gevura creative power. He says, Gvura is the might that can win a victory. So it's not just strength in general. It's not just, do I have the energy, good morning, do I have the energy to get, get a job done? Do I have the energy to keep on going? Gvura is specifically the power to be victorious. And that you see in many places. We're going to come up to some other examples of that, right? So um, Nimrod. I mean, we just had these Parshas, right? Nimrod was right. a Gibor Tzayid. Like, um, I have a few examples, but I don't know what page they're on. All right, this is, this is what Gvura is about. So Rav Hirsch then says, so what is Gvura with reference to Hashem? Because obviously God can be victorious. It's... And describing an aspect or an interaction of Hashem with regard to his rule in the history of mankind, meaning the fact that he is always in control of what happens to man, because that is the power for victory. So that is the description that we use to refer to that aspect. It refers specifically also to situations where Hashem is quelling mutiny of those who are resisting his will. Very interesting, right? Like this, how it, how it plays out, how the concepts will run through and refer to that. That when we talk about Gvura of Hashem, it's if the Torah is telling us about Hashem is Gibor Milchama Hashem, right? So the Gvura is the ability to conquer. In a person, it's the ability to conquer, and with Hashem, it's his control even over those who are possibly rebelling against his will. But still, there's an aspect of Gavura there. Because, as Refer says elsewhere, he will not allow his will to be thwarted. God's will cannot be thwarted. 
just great comfort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not so good when you're the one trying to thwart, <laughs> but it's a comfort. I mean, this is why when we daven, we say, please answer my prayers for the good. So because if we would get what we want and it's not so good for us, but his will will be done anyway, it's going to be a long, hard road to correcting. To get to his will, we will get to God's will either way. You can go the Geula way, where everything is light and sunny and peaceful. Or you can jump the track. Guess what? God will bring you back to his will anyway. But that's Gaulus. It's not a very easy road. But it takes you back to the same place. Gaulus and Geula lead to the same place. So is the Gvura of Hashem that he's controlling himself? or that No, he's, he's, con he's controlling us. It does, it's not correct that I said no, because we know that in the, in the, the rabbis tell us that when it comes to Hashem's interaction with the world through Rachamim and Din, or through Chesed and Gvura, that it is a holding back of himself as well. But it's a holding back of, uh, what is he holding back? Meaning when we say with a person that he's holding back, we're usually saying he's holding back something negative. With the case of Hashem, when the word gevura is used, what he's holding back is chesed. What do you mean he's holding back chesed? Yeah, you said yeah. we're going to talk about it more a little. So with the case of gevura with Hashem, it's back. not that he's holding back something that's out of control. He's holding back chesed. He's, holding back chesed. he's keeping the chesed under control. So, a few examples. One would be in creating the world. He said to the world, enough, stop. Don't keep spreading, right? Because if creation just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading, it will then, you, you have an immediate melt back into entropy and chaos and everything becomes homogenous. There's no identity. Identity of separate creations is a function of boundary and limitation. Like I end here and you end there. So now we have two different identities. Mm -hmm. So that's a limiting of of my spread, right? And we talked about this a lot in the brachos of Rokaha Aretz Al Hamayim, for those who were here then, right? Rokaha Aretz Al Hamayim Kizentai. We talked, that, that's, if you weren't here for Rokaha Aretz Al Hamayim, that's the shir. Because we talked about there how the land is called Eretz from the word Ratzon or Ratsui, desirable or doing God's will, because Hashem shouted out to the world, stop. Like, you need, to, you need to go this far. And then he said, stop. And the world stopped. The waters were not so willing to stop. So the waters end up getting held back by the ground. But the ground stopped when God said stop, and it's called Eretz. That which does God's will. It stopped. It was able to say, okay, you said here, enough, here. And that creates the environment in which people live. We are able to live only because we are in an environment where there's dry land. It's not inundated by water. It's not too steep. It's not too, it's stopped. That's the environment we live in, and that's what we have to learn to cultivate in ourselves, being able to say, stop, right? But in the case of the earth, it wasn't a stop of anything bad. It was a stop of creating and doing and, and fulfilling and passion. And being able to stop that sometimes is even more important than being able to control yourself from the bad. Because that which is good and wants to give but is uncontrolled ends up destroying in a very deep way. When you, when you give to people at a time that they shouldn't be given to, so where do they develop their independence?
If you, if you constantly provide and provide, you know, if you always spoon feed your child, will they ever know how to feed themselves? Will they ever know how to figure out the right amount to eat? Will they ever know what, how to choose what to eat? Like, that's not doing them a favor. Well, Rabbi Goldberg has been kind of talking about this on Thursdays, right? That's the discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to teach our children precious, being able to teach them to, to hold back also, self-discipline, that's a bigger gift. The chesed is bigger when it is bounded. This is gvura. Gvura is creative power. <laughs> okay? Because things become bigger if you put a boundary on the water the water level will rise within those bounds so instead of spreading out and being all over your water will actually take a shape and it will become higher which if you i mean you're an artist but i worked as a graphic designer okay so people give you and they give you your specifications. It's got to be this big, or it's got to be that, and this boundary. And sometimes it's frustrating. You want it to go like a little more this or a little more that. But the truth is your best work comes when you're forced to fit it into the guidelines. You have to be more creative to come up with a solution. And so you can't go out, so you go up. You're not going to grow up. Grow up. Okay. I'm not going to continue on that topic because we discussed it quite a lot in Roka Arthalamayim. And even though it's awesome and amazing and wonderful and we're thinking about that's not today's topic. What we're thinking about. Okay. Um, Rav Leff, he has a, a wonderful book. <coughs> Excuse me. A wonderful book on Shimona Esrei. So over there, he defines Gvura as greatness as demonstrated in actions. Which is also like an, that's a new way of thinking about Koach and, and Godless together, right? Is Gvura. And again, when you, when you turn something into an action, you limit it. Which we've all had that feeling. Yeah, greatness as demonstrated in actions. That's Kavura. And that's, that's like a cool thing because you know how when you get like really inspired and that feeling, you don't even want to speak about it. You do want to speak about it, but you don't because you know that as soon as you define it into words, it'll lose a little bit of that almost infinite feeling of the elevation and the inspiration. And if you turn it into actions, it will at some point, if not the first time, become a mundane action a little bit or a habit. But if you don't turn it into something tangible, it will dissipate completely over time. You'll look back and say, I think I was inspired once. What was that about? <laughs> right? Like, I think I was head over heels in love once. What was that about? So in order to actually to concretize and make permanent that which is creative and exciting, new ideas, new inspirations, you do need to turn them into action. You demonstrate them in action. Even though the action itself is a severe limitation, it's much more bounded and limited and finite than the feeling behind it or the greatness behind it. But at the same time, it gave it a shape and a form and a taste and a color and a size and and a place to point to. And from there, you can evoke it back out, which, which would, would lead, if we were going there, to a discussion of the power of symbols. Because symbolism, well, who cares about a symbol? A symbol is nothing, right? It's just a thing. But when you've infused into an action a lot of feeling, then revisiting the action can help you re-evoke the feeling. So that feeling, which would have been lost to you, 
comes back. The memory of the feeling comes back. And it helps give you that little push to go back to the place of inspiration that you had before. All right. So, if we talk about Gedula and Chesed, Rav Lef says, as Hashem's describing Hashem's showering his infinite goodness upon creation and into creation, then Gevura is describing an interaction with Hashem where he is holding back the goodness in order to create a finite physical world. Hashem is infinite. So there is a restraint required, a holding back that is necessary to create the finite world. It's chesed by means of holding back. The chesed is one thing, but the holding it back makes it a greater chesed. It amplifies the chesed. Remember we said koach as an amplifier. It amplifies the chesed. And for us as well, we have to create a relationship with Hashem by making choices that that bound and restrict our yearning for chesed into certain channels and not others. We have to limit ourselves in the material world in order to sanctify ourselves within it. So we will grow less out and more up. That's hard for like a creative person. Yes. It's hard to, to, to confine. It's very hard to confine. You know, when you feel like and you want it all to go out to the world. You want it to go out, but it's very dangerous to have unbounded right. creative desire. Right, right. It or leads displaced compassion or displaced chesed because that's when love that is unbounded yeah, it's, is not a healthy environment. Right, right, right. It feels really nice at the beginning, <coughs> but it's not a healthy environment. And so, so if you want to grow up, not out, then you need to use your mind to say, I'm filled with a feeling of love for all people. I'm overwhelmed by it. Where am I going to channel that? That's literally what channeling is. It puts, channeling doesn't only let us grow up, it puts much more force in the place where the channel's open. When you take a float, right, when you have like a hose of water and then you cover half of it with your thumb, the water comes out a lot stronger in the part you've left open. <clears throat> so it's not only that the shape is greater, but the power becomes much greater. And that is the nature, this is the concept of Gevura. That is really Gevura and Avoda. So another one of those sets of things, I'm sorry, I didn't write them on the board, it would have made sense, right? So we had Rachamim and Din and Emes. And we have Chesed and Gvura and Tiferes. And there's also Torah, Avoda, and Gemilas Chasadim, right? So Torah is giving and creative, and Avoda, which is service, which also is limited. Oh, thank you. Just water. Thank you. Um, and Gemilas Chasadim, which is an interesting term, because, well, that's doing Chesed, right? But Ligmol, you know what Ligmol means? To wean, like to wean a child. So ligmol chesed is to do chesed in such a way that what you are doing is actually gradually withholding chesed so that the person can stand on their own. Mm-hmm. That's ligmol chesed, which is why the highest level of chesed is to get a person on their own two feet. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? You Very wouldn't powerful. be a chesed if you just keep nursing the child. Mm-hmm. But it's the biggest chesed that you do. 
It's an even bigger chesed when you wean them. It's not easy. Why? Because the mother wants to nurse the child probably more than the kid even wants to nurse. But we've got to grow up. We've got to grow up and we've got to grow up. And we do that. Why? Because we love our children enough to be able to say, I love you more than I love my desire to do for what I want to do. I want it, or, or it's not even sacrifice. It's that I have two things that I want, but one of them I want even more. That's Stephen Covey's burning yes inside. It's easier to say no when you've got a burning yes inside. So if your burning yes inside is to raise this child so that they can grow up to be independent and strong and competent and have a sense of self-esteem that they're able to do things, mm-hmm. right? And actually be able to do things and live their life even if, God forbid, you're not there. Maybe you care about that even more than <coughs> you care about this gratification of right now. That this was a nice period of time and now we're moving on. Okay. I heard um, Dahlia Layton told me. She quoted Rabbi Goldberg as saying that one of the hardest challenges is to know information and digest it but give it over to students in the way they can understand it, to be like a mother bird. You know how much to give at a time. Because you may have a lot more than what you're giving, but to teach, because a teacher is naturally someone who wants to give over the information, right? So to be a teacher who's able to hold back also, to say it's not about my desire to teach, it's about their need to learn. So what do they need to hear? What do they need to learn? And what do I need to tell them? And not necessarily more than that. I thought that was a very well, interesting even lesson. Even example, lastly, with the Rebbe, there was more, um, what worked was more of what he held back yeah. than what he did. I'm sure there was a lot that Rebbe I mean? would have liked to have said. Right. But in by not saying that, it, that he said it more strongly. Even greater, exactly. He said it more strongly by not saying it. Absolutely. That's a really good example. Okay. Here's another example, and, and uh, not surprisingly, with waters. This is from the Haftarah on Parsha's Noah. It's also a Haftarah of another Parsha, Kisisa or something like that. Um, at, first of all, in Parsha's Noah, when you look at the flood, Vayigberu Hamayim, the waters gained strength. They, they overpowered, and they became many over the land. Vahamayim Gavru Me'od Me'od. The waters were powerful, very, very powerful. Um, Fifteen Amos above, Gavru Hamayim, did the waters overpower. Vayigbru hamayim al ha'aretz. These are all separate quotes. Okay, that was just me flipping through, not necessarily finding every case. Okay. Vayigbru hamayim al ha'aretz chamishim yom. The water overpowered the land for 150 days. Okay, so that, the, the water is this like overpowering gvura. And then if you look at the Haftorah, God says, in the flood of my wrath, I'm reading Rav Hirsch's translation in the interest of time. In the flood of wrath did I hide my face for a moment from thee, but with everlasting love did I have compassion on thee, says thy, rede- thy Redeemer God. Okay? So this is already echoing back. You can already hear that message of Yirmiyahu. I belted them tightly to me, right? God says, I hid my, haste, my face from you briefly, but the chesed is forever. The gvura may feel too tight, but really it's part of the chesed. It amplifies the chesed forever, says God. Ki mei noach zos li. This is the waters of noach to me, says God. I swore that the waters of noach would not overpower the earth, and my 
my din here, he's talking about Gullus, will not overpower you. Because the mountains might move and the hills might shake, but my love will not move from you, and the bond of my peace will not vacillate, says God, who has compassion on you. Now listen to Rav Hirsch. What does he say? My Gullus will what? He, God is saying about, he's talking about this Gullus. Okay, not this one. I mean, yes, this one. <laughs> Gullus, okay, destruction. And he's saying, yes, that's like I hid my face from you, but you need to realize my face may have been hidden, but the chesed wasn't gone. What The face hidden looks to us like Gullus, but that's not a lack of chesed. It's a channeling of chesed. It is me noach. Now, God is not actually talking about the flood in the times of Noah. He's talking about Gullus much, much later. And he's describing, he's comparing it to the waters of Noah. So what is to compare to the waters of Noah? We saw the waters of Noah are gvura, 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 gvura. So here. Wow, but it's like hard to find the chesed in the whole destruction. I mean, we very, you know very I mean? difficult, and we can't always see it. So we have to remember it. Look, uh, this is a topic we haven't come on so much, although we haven't avoided it entirely either. Certainly, yes, last week we did talk about it. Um, the Jewish people are compared to the moon. The moon has a lot of qualities. One of the qualities of the moon is that in the world as we know it now, the, world is not, the moon does not provide as much light as the sun. But there's something very, very remarkable about the light of the moon. The light of the moon is the light of the sun. Not only is the light of the moon the light of the sun, but the moon brings the light of the sun to dark places where the sun doesn't reach. Okay? So there's a time where there's light, and there's a time where it's dark. When you see that you're in a time that's dark, whether it's on a personal level or on a communal level, one of the messages to you is... If it's dark, it must be I need to bring light in from somewhere else. That's called zikhira, remembering. Okay? And generally speaking, remembering is with our mouths. We speak in order to remember. We don't say it's just remembering in our minds. And the reason is because when you speak it out, first of all, it becomes concretized. It comes into the world. It's created. But second of all, it, um, it, it, it plants it more firmly in the forefront of your consciousness. If, if it's just part of your train of thought that you're thinking about it and remembering it, then it, it comes and goes very quickly. But by talking about it, it brings it forward. Okay? So zakhira, remembering, is the power to bring the light from a time where you had it into a place where you cannot see it. That's the power of the moon. That's the power of Yehoshua. Yehoshua brought the light of Moshe and Moshe's direct communication with God into, like, the real world of plowing and planting and fighting wars and <laughs> building houses. Pnei Moshe Kechama, the face of Moshe was like the sun. Pnei Yoshua Kilavana, the face of Yoshua was like the moon. What do you mean when you say, I, 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 think, I, I think I'm grasping what the concept, but when I'm thinking about the actual idea that the moon can reach, the light of the moon can reach places that the sun that the sun doesn't reach. Doesn't reach. Do you mean like, I, I'm not sure. When do you see the light of the moon? At the night. light of the moon, at night. And the light of the moon is the light of the sun. But if not for the moon, you wouldn't see any light. That's true. So, yes, is it less than the light of the sun? Yeah. 
but it is the light of the sun, and it's bringing it to where you can see it even though it's not there. Now, does it illuminate your way in a huge way? No, you're still in the dark, but you can kind of see. And the biggest thing about it is you can see that there is light. More important than the moon actually illuminating your night, although that's helpful because now it's not so dark. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't, we have street lights. We don't tend to notice that. But if you're out in the dark, like it makes a difference that the moon is shining, okay? It does give light. It doesn't give tons of light. You don't have it really clear. You can't tell the difference between colors. You can't tell who's a friend and who's not a friend at any distance. You don't, you can't really tell. But most of all, you can see that there is sunlight. It's just not where you can see it. You're facing the other way. God's face is turned away from you. But the light is there. So I am standing behind a barrier. So now what do I see? I see dark. But if I can see that there's a glow over there, if I can remember there was a day when I felt God shining his face upon me. I remember that I felt that he loved me. Then I remember that the light is there, even at a time when I feel personally in the darkness. And that memory of the light will illuminate, it will lighten up my darkness a little bit. But that little bit matters. And most importantly, I remember that there is a light. And that someday this will pass, right? God says, histarti fonai rega It's a moment. It's, a mo it's temporary that I hid my face from you. Uvechesed olam richamtich. And chesed that is eternal, with that I have mercy on you. This is a very, very, very important subject. It's not really today's subject, but it's a very important subject. Okay, Rav Hirsch. For this is as the flood of Noah unto me. This, namely the Gullus, the world historic purpose of the education of Israel through suffering, is placed in the clearest light by this comparison. The ultimate condition of security and happiness for the whole of mankind, based on justice, love, and truth, that ultimate condition of security and happiness is called shalom. Because shalom, I think we talked about this last year around Shavuot's time, shalom is the peace of differing forces. Forces that are different and pulling in different directions. It is not homogenization and everything just inactive. It's not passive. Shalom is very active. So justice, love, and truth, hadin, ha'emes, shalom, right? Like these things are all seem to be in tension with each other, actually all harmonizing. That's shalom. That which I have promised is fixed by me, is absolutely certain, even more certain and unconditional than a promise or anything else. It's a bris. A bris is more certain. The living instrument for the attainment of this goal is you, Israel. The more certain and unshakable this goal is, God's goal of ultimate shalom, the tighter and more indissoluble is the bond of my love which holds you closely embraced. I find this a rather fascinating thing because that is not mentioned in these verses here. But that's that pasuk we read in Yirmiyahu. God says, I belt you onto me tightly. And it's in the context of they haven't listened and there's going to be trouble. 
right? It gets tighter. The more certain and unshakable the goal, the tight, more tightly my love holds you closely embraced. Even the bitterest blows of fate were only refining fires to raise you to ever higher spiritual and moral degrees of perfection. I mean, do you see how understanding the concepts, and then you take it and you hear what Rav Hirsch is telling you, and you ha we have the visuals now, right? Like, it's going to bind you tighter and raise you up in doing so. And now, if I take what he says and the passion, I mean, it's just, and now I take that back into my brachos, Ozir Yisrael Bigvura. God belts me with power. It means two directions. He fills me with power by giving me the concept of belting, of tightening up, of being able to restrain myself, to say no because there is a burning yes inside. And he also holds me tight to him with strength. And that also gives me strength to know that if I'm feeling that squeeze and I'm feeling that power, and it's scary, and it's, and it's maybe even a little painful that I remember that what it is is me being held, embraced even more closely. Hold fast to this promise, even in the dark times, which precede the attainment of this goal. I mean, if that is not when we live, I don't know when. Could you say that in your own words? What, what? Hold fast to this promise, this promise, which is a covenant. That means you can count on it no matter what. The promise that God is bringing a time of shalom, of ultimate security and happiness for all of mankind. And that to get there, he will hold us very tightly in order to bring us to higher spiritual, moral degrees of freedom. Where is that? This is his commentary to the Haftarah of Parsha's Noah. Okay, I'm going to skip a little because it is called not classy to only read during a class. <laughs> I could. I, I totally could. I could just read Reverse. Like, <laughs> but I find that I get more from Reverse when I prepare other things also because then each sentence of his just leaps out. It's funny, and the English in there, I can't wrap my brain yeah, around it's, it. Yeah, it's I tough. I read I it over and over again. I don't know why. And I'll be happy to read it again over and over, <laughs> or after class, or I'll get, I'll, we can go copy it. Like, it I do need to read it over and over, but I find that if I've prepared the information separately, yeah. then I find how Rav Hirsch has shown me how it all works together. It's one whole, and, and injected with it is the passion and the, that desire to... to live up to it that is it moves me in a new way you came near to despairing altogether of your future but in truth you had not the slightest cause for that the riches the means for power the complete lack which bow you down they are not truly that on which your happiness and certainty of your promised future depends you think you need health and wealth and power and a capacity in order to, to achieve future and shalom and goodness for yourself. But that's not really what it depends on. That rests on quite another foundation, which is tzedakah, righteousness. It means charity, but it means righteousness, doing what is right. It's nothing material. It is of spiritual moral nature. Its attainment and retention is possible at all times. It depends on nobody and nothing else 
but your own self. In other words, no matter how deprived you feel that you are, no matter how much you feel you are lacking, that you don't have the tools you need to do the job, your real job is to hold fast to righteousness. That doesn't depend on any tools or any materials or any wealth or any power or even capacity to achieve. You know, you could have good intentions and it still doesn't go well. It depends on choosing it, on saying, in this moment of darkness, I have no idea what I am supposed to be doing now. Surely you have felt that at some time in your life, right? What do you want from me? And then you can answer yourself, I don't know exactly what he wants from me, but I have a choice. Somewhere in here there is a choice. The choice I have, I don't know what else it is I'm supposed to do. And you know what? I may not even see right away what the choice is in terms of what am I meant to be choosing in terms of action. But I can choose God. I can say, Hashem, I don't know what you're asking of me now, but I choose you. Whatever it is, I choose you. I'm going to stick to you. I'm going to be a belt that sticks to you. You hold me tight, I'll hold back tight. That is something that will save you. It will save you in the dark times. And it recalls the light of the promise, right? Hold fast to this promise even in the dark times. To the will, knowledge must come. Knowledge of what is right, of good and evil. But ideas of men as to good and evil change according to times and nations. My goodness, that's true in America. <laughs> Concepts, <laughs> ideas of what is good and evil. <laughs> ideas of what is good and evil have changed very dramatically in our own lifetimes. Right? There is only one everlasting source of knowledge of good and evil. That is God and what he has revealed to us in our Torah. In that sense, I'm skipping again. In that sense, then, it says here, see now, were I to give you, as I could do, did I think it would be good for you, every imaginable treasure, and at one blow raise you up to the height of riches far beyond your wildest dreams. To read the verse. If I were to lay down stones of of sapphire and make your base sapphires and diamonds and your windows rubies and your gates garnets and your whole domain precious stones. I could give you more wealth than you could dream of. Your immediate material needs would most certainly be satisfied for the time being, but not one single step would you have advanced to happiness, to true lasting happiness. Only if and when all your children are pupils of God, then and only then will the peace, the well-being, and the happiness of you and your children be great. Wow. That's Gvura. That's Gvura. That's what God is saying to us. This is the waters of Noah. It's the promise of the waters of Noah. Is you have to remember that there's a covenant, and the covenant says that the waters will not, the floods will not wipe out the world. God's love is ever and ever and everlasting. And he promises us that no matter how hard times are, it is only an expression of our being held tighter. It grows us up, not out, and makes us different people. Okay, we will, we will stop here for today. It's, um, it was fairly intense. 
Sorry. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And next week, our focus will be, um, well, we'll start with talking a little bit more about how the Gevura plays out in ourselves, because when we say Ozer Yisrael B'Gevura, there were two pieces of that. One is God's Gevura upon us, and how that strengthens us, and one is how we are strengthened with Gevura, meaning that's right, we're... This bracha, right, when, a per, when you put on your belt or when you button the top button of your pants or your skirt or your zipper, right? So that's what's associated with Ozer Yisrael B'Gvura. I am girding myself. I'm belting myself to go out into the day and start this day. So how, how is all this going to play out within me? I'm at Selim Elohim. If this is God, how God relates to me, then my job is to be a little moon on earth, right, and shine that light into the earth. How does that play out through me? Right? So, have a good week. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Whoa. <laughs> it's really. That's what it is, right? It is. It's, it's powerful, just... and powerful can be exciting, yeah. but powerful is scary. It is scary. Powerful is scary. I find it. Like, it well, is. Terrifying almost. And sometimes terrifying, actually. And sometimes terrifying, like. Actually. So we do have to use times when we are not overwhelmed with terror to, to fill our hearts with what we're going to need. We need to pack our provisions. We, we pack what we need. The work